and gentlemen, welcome to a historic episode of the Two Buck Sports Podcast. Tonight is episode number 20. Uh, welcome in my co-host, Uncle Buck. Uncle Buck, I didn't know if we'd still be doing it by episode 20, but here we are. Hey, uh, I did not realize we'd made it to another round number. Yeah. And so when you've only got 20 episodes, I guess you've got to celebrate them by in 10s, you know. And then uh, once you get it to 50, maybe then you start doing it by 50s. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, yeah. We'll work on that. We'll, uh, we always look for a reason to have a party anyways. So yeah. uh, congratulations, Buckets. We made it to 20. Yeah, well done, sir, man. I didn't know, like I said, we'd still be here, but we're still here talking about sports. We're getting more downloads each week, and uh, our audience is growing. So nice job, man. Well done. Yeah, we've made it to the Barry Sanders number of podcasts. <laughs> That's right, man. And so uh, tonight we're going to talk a little bit about sports as always. You know, uh, it's our favorite time of the year. We kind of queued it up last week. Um, we are rational college baseball fans, so I'm sure we'll have normal rational takes about our teams. We're four or five games into the season, so we, you know we're going to be very um, strategic and smart in our, our analysis later, right? Like no wild takes or anything. Well, I mean, I'm pretty much – will we'll get to it, but I don't feel like I have any hot takes at all. I feel like they're all completely accurate. Sure. Like I said, we're, we're <laughs> rational sports fans yeah. here. I'm nothing but rational, and I do not oversell or undersell. I will state it just like it is, and just as it is, Ole Miss is tied for the best team in baseball. Yeah, that's it. You can't win them all if you don't win the first five, right? That's, that's four. We've only got four. Four. There so, you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, cool. Well, yeah. Um, so, Drew, I know we've each week we've been enjoying um, the draft that we do every week. We've got different topics. We've had some fun with it. We interact with our audience around it. And so tonight we're taking a different spin on it. Tonight – we're doing a completely unscripted, unprepared, completely winging it draft. Uncle Buck, give us the details. Yeah, so um, me and Rusty hopped on this call. It's been a crazy, crazy week of work for both of us, it seems like. And so we both, it seems like for the first time this week, sat down and we looked at each other through the computer screen here. And I asked him, I said, Rusty, well, what are we drafting? And he said, I have no idea. So I was thinking, you know, we like to uh, to keep our listeners involved, and so one day maybe we uh, take listener submissions for uh, draft ideas. But for tonight, I said, well, let me just call Haley. So I called my wife in from the other room, and I said, okay, here's what we're going to do. You're going to come up with the draft. You're going to text it to me, and I'm not going to look at it until right before we do it. So me and Rusty have no idea what we're drafting. We have no idea. Well, we, we don't have – any clue at all and so just live on the podcast here uh, i am going to tell you buckets what we're drafting so are you nervous always live my life man let's go yeah so you should have saw the look all the listeners here we should have had it on camera when i asked my wife to do that she giggled as if it was christmas morning the 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 sinister laugh that came out of such a sweet lady scared me (laughs) yeah so Okay, this isn't so bad. Actually, it's pretty fun. So, uh, Rusty, we are going to draft. That was my drum roll. <laughs> oh, it's so good, man. It's so good. Keep it up. Uh, top five things you'd bring to a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> Haley Gann bringing the heat. I like it. I like yeah, it. So, I mean, that's a, that's a solid open-ended draft in which you can have any number of I mean, it can go any way you want. 
Absolutely. There's so much we can do with this, dude. This is this is going to be good. And uh, uh, Uncle Buck, you got the first pick, so you get to set the stage, man. Okay. All right. So um, let me think here. Let me, through all of my historical research of zombie apocalypse, it only comes from movies. So if I'm going through just the archive of different movies that I've watched that start with a zombie apocalypse. Don't act like you don't have a, uh, a zombie shelter already back there at, uh, in, at your house there in Ripley, Mississippi. I do not, unfortunately. <laughs> I'm not that well prepared. Uh, we yeah. would They would feast on us. So, mm. um, But in every single zombie movie I've ever watched, the people who or make it into the movie and don't get killed the first are typically somebody with a machine gun. Mm. And so that's what I'll take. I'll take the uh, low hanging fruit. I'll hit the, the softball question here and I'm going to take a machine gun. Solid pick, man. You can't go wrong. Uh, it's a long distance weapon, so you can fend off zombies trying to eat your brains from a distance. It's probably smart. Uh, it's probably better than my first pick. <laughs> Mine might give me a little bit of trouble, but uh, in hand-to-hand combat, that is. Um, because if you watch these zombie movies, and I'm not, to be to be honest, I'm not a huge zombie movie fan. Uh, but, you know, I've seen, I've seen my share. The main protagonist, the main hero, always has a really cool, like, handheld weapon. There's always somebody with a machine gun. Yeah, but but there's me, a good secondary weapon, is what you're saying. Give me an axe. I want an axe mm. because, like, the lead character always has a has an axe or some kind of handheld weapon that they're just just doling out damage. So I want a, one of those double blade axes, got a blade on either side, and I'm out there just throwing haymakers with it. Uh, yeah, there, you would axe. die so quickly if all you had was an axe. Because <laughs> what you don't remember in all this extensive footage that we've seen of zombie apocalypses is they travel in masses. I mean, by the thousands. Sure. And so you're just gonna have a an axe. Yeah, but there's always that one guy who's out there just doing a melee attack and just like wearing these zombies out. The one out. guy who's got the axe by the end of the handle and just spinning <laughs> in circles. And I'm just yelling, helicopter, 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 and taking all them these out. Zombies. <laughs> so I'm taking an axe with my first one. Yeah. Yeah. You're gonna <laughs> be Drew, help, Drew, help. <laughs> Probably my second pick needs to be a first aid kit because yeah. I might need that. <laughs> uh, if you but, get hurt, you're turning into a zombie. I mean so. that's fair. That's fair, but. Not Nah, man, give me an axe. I'm going full melee attacks, and zombies don't stand a chance with a double-edged axe. Uh, second thing is I got the second pick. Dude, I've always wanted to mess with one of these and just have one just to play with because it just seems like another way to just annihilate zombies. Pretty much everything else in, within range. I'm taking a flamethrower. I'm <laughs> going next. Boom. Flamethrower, man. I am I am making some zombie s'mores. Let's go. Yeah, you just made your axe just kindling at that point. <laughs> well, I, I got to have something when I get tired. Like, sling that thing around, I'm going to get wore out. So give me a flamethrower for when I'm resting. Okay. So you've got a, a double-sided axe and a flamethrower. That's solid. You should have reversed those two picks, but maybe that's okay. That's okay. We're I had to coming make you sweat the for the flamethrower. Yeah, I wanted you to think about the flamethrower. Now you got to come up with something else. <laughs> yeah, and I'm I'm having a time here. So I need. I've got a. I've got an AK-47 or mm-hmm. some sort of assault rifle, machine gun. And so that's going to take up. You know, most of my. I'm going to 
it's going to take up both hands. You know, I'm not a very big man. I cannot handle a machine gun with both hands. So, uh, I'm sorry, with one hand. So what I'm going to do next is I'm going to protect myself. Ooh. And I want chain mail, a full body suit of chain mail. And so, because these, you know, chain mail was invented, you know, I'm going to give you a history lesson. It was invented uh, back in the days of A Knight's Tale. That's a fact. Um, don't ask me when it was, but I saw the movie. Uh, and it was to protect you from piercings of a sword. Um, and if it can stop a piercing of a sword, I know a zombie who can do nothing except for bite can't bite through it. So that's what I'm going with. I'm going with chain mail to protect myself while I blast zombies with a machine gun. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this section of the Two Bucks Sports Podcast is brought to you by Farrell's Home and Outdoors, your <laughs> chain mail supply headquarters. <laughs> they sell chain mail now? I don't know. I'm yeah. giving them a shout out anyway. Nah. I bet Second Amendment does. <laughs> <laughs> or Lonnie's maybe there in Corinth, yeah. Mississippi. Yeah, your, your local uh, guns and ammo stores in Corinth, Mississippi is the sponsor of this podcast today. One of them has chain mail, I guarantee it. Yeah. Uh, next is I'm going to get is I'm I'm only playing offense. I'm not thinking about playing defense. And so the goal in surviving a, po- a zombie apocalypse is to get to the high ground, I would think. Mm-hmm. And so once I'm at the high ground, if I can make it up these stairs, I mean, anybody who's seen me knows it's it'll take me longer than the average male. Uh, but if I can get to the top of the stairs, I want a sniper rifle. Ooh. And so... That's how I take my breaks. So once I'm worn out from spinning around like a ballerina and just mowing down these zombies and I need to get off my feet for a minute, I'll go upstairs, lay on my belly, you know, like the American sniper himself and pick them up, you know? Mm. Yeah. And so, um, again, this is all based, all of my answers come from historical documents <laughs> called <Clearly>. movies. <laughs> yeah, clearly. Yeah. So, and I mean, he was hitting these folks from like, I don't know, a mile and a half away. So oh, yeah. maybe I can get them, you know, on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> Close right. by. Yeah, Chris Kyle's effective range is a mile. Uncle Bucks is a hundred yards tops. <laughs> yeah. I'd probably have more luck throwing the bullets with my arm. <laughs> All right, so we got a machine gun, chainmail, and a sniper rifle. So very much on the offensive. Uh, although nobody's gonna be getting close enough for you for that chainmail, so I may need to borrow it because I've got a double-sided axe. I got a flamethrower. Right. You had the opportunity. I did, but I am gonna take some protection with this next one because one thing, like zombies, are after you to eat your brains, right? Just give uh, me a helmet. Give me a helmet. A- yeah, okay. like. They survive off of eating brains, or at least a lot of the ones that I've seen. Give me a helmet, like an old-fashioned. I want the football helmet with the bar down the middle, the big face mask on it. The like, Franco Harris. The Franco Harris, like 1972 Pittsburgh Steelers defensive lineman. Like, I want the full heavy face mask. Give me a helmet to, pre- to protect my noggin. Yeah. Uh, you may want to go like a more recent helmet, though. The more recent ones that got the glass in the front of it. Oh, I can throw a visor on one of them old school ones in a heartbeat still, but I want like I want to look like a menace out there. Like I want one of them old school, like this guy means business. CTE has entered the chat type helmet. <laughs> <laughs> These things are nothing but hard. 
that, yeah, they're just they're for decor more than anything. Yeah. You know, modern day helmets absorb pain. These just give them. <laughs> That's it. And we're just giving it out. So give me a helmet to protect this uh, this dome of mine. <clears throat> you know, so far we've been on the offensive. We're attacking zombies, right? But at some point. We're going to have to go away and reload, get some food. We're going to have to have an opportunity to, to take a breather, right? What's more impenetrable, there's your big word for the day, Uh-oh. Uh, than a Brinks armored truck? A Give tank? me a, a Brinks armored truck. <laughs> I mean, you can get a tank. Like people like in like the movies in World War II, people drop grenades in tanks, right? Like Brinks armored trucks are about as dependable and impenetrable. There it is again. As they come. I only think about this because I got sandwiched between three of them on my drive home on Sunday. I drove to Tuscaloosa for my grandmother's 80th birthday. And on my drive home, I got in a convoy. I was the second. There was a Brinks armored truck, me, and then two more. And I thought, this might be a federal crime. (laughs) Yeah, they're going to be immediately suspicious of you. They've got my tag number. I'm pretty sure my brother was called by uh, Homeland Security this week and interviewed. I, I feel like that's part of it. Um, and so I'm getting a Brinks armored truck since I'm part of the convoying anyway. So that's my fourth fourth pick, Brinks armored truck. If you're listening, Brinks, please give us a sponsor. <laughs> yeah, if we can't have some money, uh, give us a truck. Just just give us a truck. <laughs> All right, so run down your picks real quick. What do you got? So I got four. Uh, one pick remaining. You got the next two with a turn, but I've got a double-sided axe. I've got a flamethrower. I've got a helmet to protect my brains and a Brinks armored truck. Okay. And I have got a machine gun. And I've got chain mail. Mm-hmm. And I've got a sniper rifle. And then I've got two picks coming up, okay? Yep. Two picks. Um, so I just keep on trying to think of ways that I can get distance. You know what I'm saying? And I'm really jealous of your Brinks armored truck. Uh, But this is make believe in which we get to choose whatever we want to bring to the zombie apocalypse, right? So I'll take your Brinks armored truck and I will just take a helicopter. (laughs) And um, I'm just getting out of Dodge. You know what I'm saying? But on the way out, I'm going to tilt those, those, uh, Helicopter Rotor? blades. Rotors? Yeah. Rotors. I think that's what they're called. Oh, no. Those are upside. Those are sideways propellers. That's what they're called. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to turn them sideways and just mow off as many of them as I can. That's fair. And uh, then I'm going to just get out of Dodge. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I was going to say, I'll give you a lift in my Brinks armored truck. But I ain't riding with you in a helicopter. I don't know that you can fly one. I I, I don't dis. I, you're you're a dad now. You can drive just about anything. It comes with the territory. But I'm gonna need to see a test flight from my Brinks armored truck before I'm loading up with you. Hey, listen. This is make believe land. If I have a helicopter, I can drive it. Oh, that's fair. That's true. I didn't think about that. It comes it comes with the built-in license, right? Right, right. And so I've got my last pick and. Uh, I've got an idea, but you may shoot it down. But uh, given who came up with this draft, my <laughs> lovely wife has been whispering over here. Oh, no, that's not and fair. I, I, t- I tend to agree with her, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I don't think you're going to like it. She says I should just win the war from the jump and take mm-hmm. the adventures. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, yeah. But the world wouldn't get to this point if we had the Avengers. I mean, that's fair. Unless they're created by whatever creates the zombie apocalypse, right? Like most of the population is a zombie and you get the Avengers. It's like COVID-20 or COVID-25, whatever. That's some real <laughs> galaxy brain stuff right there. <laughs> Big um, brain. If I'm not allowed to take the Avengers, then um, I would just like Thor's hammer. <laughs> <laughs> Nah, give me, give me some. Uh, I want a whole bag full of grenades. <laughs> that's my pick. Bag and of grenades, got it. Mainly, that's just. I mean, if I'm going down, I've always wanted to chuck a grenade at something. You know, it sounds like a fun way to destroy things that is highly illegal. Mm-hmm. You know, you can go out and in Mississippi, you can go out and buy an AR-15 and a a. a you know, a whole pallet of, uh, what's that stuff called? That powder stuff you can blow up. Oh, like uh, Tannerite. Tannerite. Yeah, you can go yeah. buy a whole uh, pallet of Tannerite, an AR-15, and be perfectly within your rights as an American citizen to blow it up in your yard. Yeah. But you can't do that with a grenade, so that's what I want. That's I want fair. a whole bag full of grenades. I'm pretty sure I, I get lost on Mississippi Instagram from time to time, and I've seen so many washing machines blown up by Tannerite and a 30 alt 6 that it's just yeah. unbelievable. No, nothing's more fun than seeing the guy that's tucked behind a tree when the refrigerator door comes right at him. Right, and he just wraps around the tree in front of him. Uh, shout out to Alcorn County. Yeah. <laughs> All right, run down what your picks are. you got five, so go ahead and lay, lay out what your five are. All right, I started it off with a machine gun, and then – I took chain mail and a sniper rifle and a whole bag of grenades and a helicopter. Yep. That's what I got in no particular order. Sure. Uh, so far, I have a double-sided axe for my melee attacks. I got a flamethrower. I've got a helmet to protect my brains. I got a Brinks armored truck. <clears throat> and Drew, I'm going to quote the great Deion Sanders, the head football coach, Colorado Buffaloes now. If you look good, if you feel good, or if you look good, you feel good. If you feel good, you play good. If you play good, they pay good. Right. So it's, all, it's all about image and perception, right? Oh, my God. And what looks better than standing there holding a flamethrower, toasting zombies with a big old fat cigar hanging out the corner of your mouth? You're so dead. So I'm getting a box of cigars so that I can light it with my flamethrower. You have totally zombies. missed the point of this whole draft. Are you kidding me? You're I've got dead. A, I've you got are so axe. dead. You've got, got a Brinks truck. Yeah. You've got a, a flamethrower, and you've got a boat anchor of an axe. That's <laughs> just going to do nothing but hold you down. But I'm standing and, next to a guy with a machine cigars. gun and a sniper rifle and a bag full of grenades. So I'm getting a cigar, and I'm I am smoking. A, I want yeah. a Camacho cigar that I can stand there and smoke while we're blasting. Well, I do all the work. Okay. Sure, why not? Well, I guess we do know who's prepared and who's surviving. <laughs> I'm going to look. Because, like, you think about it. All these protagonists. You're the guy on the group project that shows up the day of, of the presentation, hung over. I was like, how would we do, boys? <laughs> but I get up there and I wing it, and everybody's like, wow. <laughs> That's I a Jordan we'll flu see. game. <laughs> yeah. These zombies aren't as forgiving. Nah. Again, I'm going to look the part. Because if you think about all these zombie movies, they got a half-smoked, chewed cigar hanging out the corner of their mouth, looking like Al Capone up there roasting zombies. Give me a uh, like an, a lifetime, not even a box, a lifetime supply of cigars. I mean, why not? Why don't you just ask for you know a mansion while you're at it? I stand by my list. It's a good list. <laughs> yeah, it's a good list if you want to die. Ah. 
This is like I'm the I'm the I'm the protagonist. I've got the axe. I've got the cigar. I'm surviving, man. We're good. Okay, it's gonna be a short movie if you're the lead character. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking like Woody Harrelson, and what was that? Zombieland. Uh, Zombieland. Like that's that's my image. I got a cut off vest. I got a big old crocodile Dundee hat. I got an axe on one shoulder, a flamethrower on my back, and I'm smoking a stogie. Let's go. Yeah. So, um, what was just off your list? I had a couple ideas, and you hinted on one of them just a minute ago. All right, go ahead. What? A hat. A cool hat. I mean, yeah, that's it. You know, an Indiana Jones hat, or Mm -hmm. you know, just a cowboy hat. Something awesome. Um, I think for me, I was thinking like Crocodile Dundee with like the leather like vest, no shirt underneath, the big hat with the long feather on it, some some crocodile teeth around it, and then a giant Bowie knife on my hip that never actually comes out. It's just there for looks, right? So I'm thinking like – It's just there to keep your pants up. That's it. That's 100% it. So I I think that would be just off my list. If I had to think of anything else – A shotgun was on my – Yeah, a a sawed-off shotgun was what I was going to say. Or just give me like a a nuclear bomb, and we'll go hide in the bunker, and we'll nuke all these people, and the movie's over. Like, oh, zombie apocalypse. Press the football button. We hide in the bunker. Movie over. Zombies gone. <laughs> yeah, and then you can never leave the bunker till the end of time. <laughs> well, you give it 20 years. I'm sure like Chernobyl's starting to calm down, right? Like we can go there. Yeah, I'm sure there's plenty of seven-legged dogs out there that you can go make <laughs> friends with. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, good luck. I enjoyed it. It's fun always doing that draft. Tonight was a little bit different. Shout out to Miss Haley Gann for uh, coming up with the zombie apocalypse uh theme tonight so uh loyal listeners of the two buck sports podcast get on instagram get on twitter i'm gonna post it twice i'm gonna post will we survive and (laughs) who has the better list so you got two opportunities to vote this time right and so if you say will we survive don't take us into consideration (laughs) Uh, just look at our weaponry and say would a standard Sylvester Stallone survive. Yeah, because like, don't think about, and this might be a little bit over the head of some of our audiences. Drew, you may not have seen this movie, but don't think about the movie Twins with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito, right? Because like, Arnold's here, Danny DeVito's here. Like, think if Rambo had these weapons, right? Not the movie Twins, but like Rambo and uh, what's his name from The Predator? Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and The Predator. Think about those guys. Would they survive with our lists? Yes, because uh, just like in Twins, I'm the same height as Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> That's what I was getting at. Drew's <laughs> yeah. the tall one here. <laughs> yeah. All right, Drew, let's get into some sports talk, man. I, you know, I just can't wrap my head around Alabama Twitter right now. It uh, is wild west right now. Lay, lay out what's going on. I don't even keeping up with it. Yeah, so uh, it seems like, and I'm not going to get the, timeline as far as i'm not going to hit you with dates this is not a we do not report the news here we just talk about it just you the news you go watch the news okay that's right um but it seems like it was just a couple months ago that there was an injury report that came out for alabama basketball saying that uh, alabama basketball player was going to be out of the game for a twisted ankle the next day story came out that said player was arrested for murder of a 23-year-old female at the strip in Alabama at the, in Tuscaloosa at the University of Alabama. Mm. And uh so yeah, that was one way to put it. I mean, 
you could say that he was out for murder or you could say he was out for a twisted ankle. Right. Um, which one looks better, I guess. Regardless, uh, the player was a sophomore or junior. He was not a high-profile player. Like that like two or three points a game. Yeah, that Alabama has accustomed, been accustomed to getting lately. Um, so no harm, no foul. I mean, obviously, you know, big harm, big foul legally, and that guy should probably spend the rest of his life in jail. Sure. Uh, but as far as the Alabama program was going, they didn't, they weren't missing a player. You know? Nope. It comes out yesterday that one Brandon Miller, who is projected to be the number three pick in the NBA draft, the first, uh, the first college player to be drafted, uh, Brandon Miller was involved in the case and he was involved not in the shooting however he did bring the gun and hand it to the shooter for him to go shoot somebody he essentially was uber eats yeah (laughs) uber guns (laughs) uh and so brandon miller has been wrapped up in this now and that's when and do you have the quote pulled up that's when Alabama started to uh, hit their tailspin. I mean, it, it, they nosedived quick. And it all started with Nate Oates, the coach of Alabama, who's done an incredible job there. Uh, but they asked him about it, and his first comment said, well, it's not lost on us. We prayed at practice today. Mm. And Brandon Miller was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. And I don't know about me, Rusty, I mean, I don't know about you, Rusty, but I have never found myself in the wrong place at the wrong time involving a capital murder. You know, like we talked about, I've been at the wrong place at the wrong time, and a firework was shot into a home. Uh, (laughs) Vending machine was turned over. Uh, You know, toilet paper was thrown into a tree. General tomfoolery of a high school student in Alcorn County. Yes, I, I have seen a water hose inserted into underneath the hood of a truck at a gas station mm-hmm. you know it wasn't me but mm-hmm. i was there wrong but place wrong time right yeah. yeah but i've never been wrong place wrong time from murder and you know shout out to my dad rocky witten rock man to most uh he always said you know if you keep your nose clean just remember nothing good happens after midnight and so the story kind of came out today that Brandon Miller was out to dinner with this young man and they were all together. And then they got separated and there was some vulgarity exchanged in a text message. But the moral of the story was or the gist of the text was bring me my joint or junt or how, if you're from Memphis, it's a junt, a.k.a. my gun. Somebody is is faking, which means in urban dictionary language, they're they're threatening him. So this young man felt threatened enough that he needed his weapon, and instead of calling 911, he texts Brandon Miller, who had picked this guy up earlier, and this guy had left his gun in the back seat. Brandon Miller and his attorney are claiming that they have no idea that the gun was there. He just told him that my gun's in your car. I need you to bring it to me. And so Brandon, being the upstanding citizen of Tuscaloosa County, said, my friend needs his gun. I'm going to take it to him at 138 in the morning. So he rolls up to the ultimate scene of the crime. His friend grabs the gun out of it. Brandon parks his car on the side of the road. The victim pulls up behind Brandon. So the initial report says Brandon blocked him in. It turns out the victim actually pulled up after Brandon did. And then shots were fired. A couple of the the rounds hitting Brandon Miller's car, which he sped away immediately upon hearing the gunshots and the guns hit his car, the gunshots hit his car. And full disclosure has completely cooperated with the police. 
But Drew, I don't, I don't know about you, man, but like just a few short years ago, Alabama fans, and you know, I was I was one growing up. Everybody knows I grew up an Alabama fan before I got smart and went to Mississippi State. And they were clamoring for Cam Newton to never play organized football again for allegedly, been proven, but allegedly at the time, taking money to go to Auburn. This right. is pre-NIL, obviously. Now, these same fans are all over Twitter saying, well, the police didn't charge him. Well, he didn't know he was going to kill somebody. How could he possibly know that a crime was going to be committed? I don't know. When your friend texts me, hey, bring me my gun, somebody is threatening me, that's a pretty good indicator in my book. Yeah, and it's just a shame that it's what the story should be the legal system. I've always been one that says that the NCAA or the MLB or the NBA, whoever, whatever, don't try to be the legal system. Sure. Okay? And so you're right. In this country, it is designed innocent until proven guilty. Right. And so I've always kind of shuddered at the idea that you get alleged of something and then you get suspended by the NBA or pick your sports league. Sure. And then a year later, two years later, you know how the court system works. Then we find out if you did it or not. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I think there's a, there's a great example. Those two Ohio State football players, they were accused of rape about two or three years ago. Both of them were projected to be first, second round draft picks. If you, do you yeah, remember this? The same thing happened at Baylor. Yeah, and yeah. but these Ohio, the just this week or last week, when these guys should have been in their second or third year in the NFL, were proven innocent. That it came out that they actually were not there. They did not rape the student, but their their professional sports career is over. Right. Right. So like, give them a chance to be proven innocent. I think that's what we should do here. I think that's what you're getting at, right? Yeah. I may talk out of both sides of my mouth because. Let's see. How do I want to word this? So. He provided the gun. Mm-hmm. I believe he has testified to that, that it was his gun. Yeah. And the shooter testified to him asking Brandon for the gun, and yeah, sure, it's his gun. Mm-hmm. I believe that that act alone warrants a suspension at least. I mean, right. you're, it, it warrants something, mm-hmm. and it should not be swept under the rug. I mean, right. I don't know what Alabama's gun laws are. I imagine they're not too dissimilar from those of Mississippi, which is very liberal. Sure. You know, might as well. There's really not any gun laws. The only laws are to ensure that you can just do whatever you want to with them. <laughs> you know, which is a whole other thing. And so, for you to hand a handgun to somebody that they use in a murder, and no one disputes it. Because it's not disputed whether or not the Alabama basketball player shot her. It's right. whether the reason why he shot her is under dispute. Mm-hmm. It's whether it was self-defense or whether it was just capital murder. Mm-hmm. So your weapon is involved in a shooting and no one's disputing it. You've got to be punished for something. And you know, where his punishment will come uh, will be in the NBA draft is what I believe. You know, he is projected to be the number three pick in the draft. He has shown that it is, it's well documented. You look at Laramie Tunsil or you look at whatever athlete that has a checkered past. When they start falling down draft boards and it becomes millions of dollars, that's going to be his penalty. It sounds like in the short term, because he will be in the NBA draft in June. It's just, will he still be the number three pick that 
I would be right. shocked. Yeah, I mean, we saw the, the same thing with the Kandichi brothers because they had that incident at the hotel. Like these things happen, and then they that's where they affect you if you don't get affected in the regular season. And sure, it'd be a little bit easier. I don't know if easier to swallow is the right way to say it or what, but it would. There's already a precedent, right? Just look at the New Mexico State basketball program. There was a one of their players committed murder, and again, it's a little bit different, maybe apples and oranges, but. New Mexico State coaches hid that murder weapon, but they still were involved with the act of the murder weapon, and they've shut their program down for the year. I'm not saying Alabama needs to do that to that extreme level, but I'm just shocked that Brandon Miller is still playing organized basketball. I understand that the police were hey, – like there's no criminal charges being brought against him. So Alabama Twitter, cut me some slack. Like I get it. I understand that that's part – like that that's going on. But the fact that he was under investigation, he was so closely involved, a suspension at minimum seemed like a two or three game suspension at least seems like a, a, a warranted punishment because like, you know, be careful. Because you know, it's what, like he's involved at some level, right? Like he delivered the murder weapon, whether it was his gun, the other guy's gun. He knew about the weapon. Like, and, and that's the thing with the self- uh, conduct detrimental to the team. You know, that's what they exactly. like to call suspensions. Exactly. When you act out, you know, and, and you make a fool of yourself and, mm-hmm. you know, sure, you get a DUI, you pay your legal fees, you know, you go to court, whatever. Yeah. But then you get suspended because you reflected poorly on your team or your institution. Draymond you know, Green punched Jordan Poole in the mouth and got suspended for a couple of weeks. Couldn't go to the couldn't go to the facility. I mean, my man was involved like. The self-defense claim goes out the window when you have time to text somebody to bring me my gun. I don't think your life is in imminent danger when you have time to text somebody who – and this is a wild thing. Like Alabama Twitter is debunking that claim by saying he was already on his way to pick this guy up. Like That's when he texts me, hey, bring me my gun. Like Brandon Miller was only on his way. Cool. Like Somebody texts me, hey, bring me my gun. I'm going to think twice about delivering said gun because I doubt he has good intentions. And self-defense goes out the window when you have enough time to text your buddy, hey, bring me my gun. I think I'm in danger. Wait on the gun to get there and then shoot the person who is allegedly threatening your life. Right. And I don't know if you uh, you mentioned New Mexico State. They did shut that program down. Absolutely. You know why they shut their program down is there was a second incident. Oh, boy. Did you read about this? I don't think so. So this is from NC, uh, I'm sorry, CBS. New Mexico State is halting its men basketball program amid an investigation into alleged hazing between players. Oh, I did see that. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, this is a quote from CBS. It says, we took this action after receiving reports of alleged hazing incidents within our men's basketball team. Um, it goes on to say, Claims that on February 6, 2023, which was, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. three members of the teams whose names were redacted in the police report held him down, uh, held him down with him facing down, removed his clothing, exposing his buttocks, and began to slap him. Um, Jeez. So, yeah, I mean, look. Don't like, do that either, folks. I mean, yeah, like hazing is a part of it. I was duct taped to an office chair, much like the one I'm sitting in. They stuffed my lip full of copa or red seal because it was grizzly because it was cheap and spun me around until I puked when I was in a freshman baseball. Like hazing happens, but in this climate, you can't do that, man, particularly when you're already under investigation when one of your teammates for, killed somebody and, murder. Your coach, and your coaches hid the gun. Like might want to take a step back and cool it, bro. But yeah, New Mexico Let's State talk basketball. Let's about something is, lighter. 
<laughs> yeah, man. Like I was just about, I was trying to, I was fixing to find a way to segment it. Drew, like we've talked about that enough. Let's hit on the Grizzlies for a minute before we get to the main crux of our show, which is college baseball. You didn't know this is a college baseball podcast. So uh, we're going to get to that here in a minute, but had all-star weekend this past weekend, Drew. We had two Memphis Grizzlies representing our beloved basketball team there. Had a really cool showing for John Moran. Uh, we talked about it. They had that ice sculpture of the shoe and the Grizz, Grizzly and jaw where you could get your uh, jaw 12s delivered down an ice chute when you checked out. Uh, they released the Midnight Color, which were fire, as well as the Scratch Edition, paying homage to the Vancouver Grizzlies. Give me your thoughts on All-Star Weekend and, and the representation of the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah, I mean, so the Grizzlies players, Jaron and Ja, were only involved in the All-Star game. So if we go back, and I'm just going to recap what I enjoyed about the weekend. First off, to talk about the what they called Mount Twelvesky, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> the uh, the midnight edition, two hundred fifty bucks, and uh, I forget what was the other edition. It's the green one with the bear. It's called, called the Scratch. The Scratch. The Scratch. Mm-hmm. It was one twenty. So, uh, and had a lots of apparel and stuff. And I've been on the prowl looking for some of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, but Friday night was the Rising Stars game. I didn't really watch it. Uh, Saturday stole the show, though, because unlike in years previous, the dunk contest was worth the prize admission. Hey, real quick, before we get into that, I know that's huge. The Rising Stars was big for the Memphis Grizzlies because of one Kenny Lofton Jr. showing out. I don't know if you saw some of his highlights. My man was hitting downtown threes, catching lobs, Running point, coast-to-coast dunks. Kenny Lofton Jr. is a more athletic Zach Randolph and needs NBA minutes. No, he does not need NBA (laughs) minutes. He does not need NBA minutes right now. I'm kidding. (laughs) Um, Anyway, dunk contest. Mac McClung single-handedly saved the dunk contest. Um, He talked a big game saying that he's going to do two dunks that you have never seen before, and he pulled through. And the most impressive part of it was he did not miss a single dunk. There were no hitting the rims and starting over. If it wasn't for Lisa Leslie, he would have had three fifties. Yep. One it going away and did it on three attempts. It was incredible. From a guy who looks like compared to NBA players, looks like he's my height. Mm -hmm. Which just makes it more impressive. (laughs) You know, he looks like that's not natural. Uh but uh then Sunday I sat down and I was really excited about the draft. You know, they were drafting the teams for the NBA All-Star game. LeBron and Giannis did. And then it's going to buckle up and watch the dra- watch the uh, All-Star game, which featured Ja and Jaron. And I'm not going to spend any time on this because it was just absolute trash. It was an exhibition. It was worse than an exhibition. I mean, I don't know why. I'm not going to pretend to get in those guys' heads, but it was like, there was no defense played, even by all-star game standards. Yeah. There was no defense played. And it was just it was just pathetic. Uh, ja, you could tell, wasn't interested in it. Jaron didn't get any minutes. You know, it's just how do you motivate the guys to play hard in a, what is just a scrimmage? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's an honor, and you're on the court. But then outside of that, how do you get them to actually yeah. – care about it outside of what oh, what's his name did in the MLB when you give the winning team home field advantage. But 
Right. I know they were raising money for charity through the points that they scored. Like, that's a cool twist. But, like, honestly, it's not going to breed competitiveness. And then, too, like, I mean, Jaron only played eight minutes. And they were – John and Jaron were only on the court together for about four minutes. And so – for the average like Grizz fan that wanted to watch their All-Stars play, Ja got a decent amount of minutes. But again, Jaron played eight minutes. Played well, I guess, in All-Star standards. And I'll be honest, I didn't watch a ton of it. I saw mostly highlights. Again, I was driving back from visiting family in Alabama. And, and honestly, the NBA All-Star game lost my interest a couple years ago with their new format, no defense, and how it goes. But Yeah, it's just not good product. It's not, and so they've got to do something different. There's been a lot of clamoring and rumors, and or not rumors, but comments and tweets about it. Just people are not happy with what that product was, and it was an embarrassment to the game of basketball is what I saw, and something has to be done to make it more competitive or just, just vote everybody all pro like the NFL does and call it a day. Right. I don't want to go that far yet, but, you know, it's hard to argue. Something needs to be done to make it more competitive because the skills – Section, I did watch some of that. The skill section, like the three-point contest is cool. The dunk contest was, like you said, saved by Mac, Matt McClung. But like like the skill session where they were – skills challenge where they were dribbling around those like tackling dummies and having to do these – like that was lame. It was not a good product. The NFL doesn't – That's rarely good. Typically exactly. the three-point contest is, is what is the mm-hmm. best of the night. Mm-hmm. But the dunk contest won it. Saved the whole weekend in my opinion. Sure. So I don't want to talk more about the All-Star game. It was lame. Um, And I think we'll get into the Grizz, kind of what we expect the second half of the season in an upcoming episode. We can talk about that a little bit more next week. Grizzlies do play again tomorrow night. NBA basketball is back. We had a little break for All-Star weekend. Grizz play the Sixers tomorrow night. One cool note, we've got a game. I think it's next week, Drew, that originally was buried on Bally Sports, like all of our games are. But they flexed a game against the Lakers to TNT. We're actually going to be playing a primetime home game, which is kind of different. So far this year, all of our primetime major network games have been at Boston, at Golden State, at L.A., at Phoenix. And so this will be one of the first ones that is at the Forum. And it's a 6.30 tip on TNT. I believe that's next week that that got flexed there. Um, so uh, super excited about that. That's a cool little little nugget that came out this week. Yeah, it's Tuesday, February 28th, 6.30 Central, 7.30 Eastern on TNT. LeBron and the Lakers come to the FedEx Forum, and it's actually on national television. Yeah, the new look Lakers. I'll be curious to see what they do. You know, LeBron got dinged up in the All-Star game, mm-hmm. he claims. You know, and so we'll see if he's out there. Uh, one quick Grizzlies note that was discouraging to me a little bit because I really thought Steven Adams would be back the first game after All-Star break. He is still listed as out for tomorrow's game. Yeah. And it sounds like he's not going to play any over the weekend either. So just one quick note. That's tough. That's tough. We're obviously missing Steven Adams, and and hopefully we get him back soon. Uh, Gila, Big Kiwi, we need you back. But, Drew, this is an SEC baseball podcast after all. And so if you listen to us long enough tonight, we appreciate you hanging around. If you're not a college baseball fan – Hang Stick around. around. There's some good stuff that happened this week, and I, I want to lead off, and I told you I was going to do this. Like, MLB baseball is cool. Like, opening of games are cool, but nothing is cooler than playing baseball for the Air Force and having the game ball delivered by a para-jumper. Did you see that? It wasn't the game ball. It was the position players. That's what it was. You're right. Yeah, it was the every position, position of the, every defender to start the game. They announced them to them as they are 
being parachuting onto down. the field. <laughs> Up, if you look in the sky, here's your third baseman, so-and-so, and he dropped on the field with a parachute. It was incredible. It was so cool. And like, you don't get like college football pageantry is cool. Like you don't get me wrong. It's, it's rival by little, but I mean, you're delivered to your position by a parachute. Like, come on, man. (laughs) Just a beautiful display of patriotism. And if, if any of the foreign powers were to just look at what we are using our military aircrafts for, like we have so many military (laughs) aircrafts, that we're we're we can just go play with them out <laughs> can, in Colorado we, Springs at the Air yeah. Force Academy. That's it. We can shoot down hobby balloons. We can shoot down your spy balloons. We can deliver baseball players to a baseball stadium. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. And we can still whip your tail. <laughs> <laughs> How many SEC champions you got? Championships you got? Russia? None. None. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, speaking of, we had college baseball kickoff this weekend, and as promised, we're going to be rational sports fans. Want to Drew? Want to get your take on Ole Miss? I've got some takes on Mississippi State, and then I want to talk about kind of our like what we think the SEC is going to look like uh, come the end of May when uh, at Hoover when it's kind of winding down. We've got uh, the SEC championship that's played there in in, in the Hoover uh, Stadium, and kind of see what our SEC predictions look like. But Drew, what are your takes on opening weekend of baseball? What do you think? Some some things that set out to you this past weekend. Well, you know, the defending champions started their season back this weekend uh, by playing the Blue Hens of Delaware. And I've made mention on this podcast many of times talking about a variety of different teams and different sports. If you have great expectations, you beat the teams you're supposed to beat, and you just kind of move on. So Ole Miss was playing Delaware. Delaware was not supposed to be good. And they beat them as badly as they could have. Uh, they played uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Two of the three games were ended in seven innings due to a run rule. Uh, the other one was 11-2, to two, so you were one run away. Mm-hmm. What I was most encouraged by were the newcomers. And as I've said here, you know, when you – after a national championship run or any run at all, you know, when you've got a team full of seniors and you lose guys that have been three and four year contributors like Kevin Graham and Tim Elko and Justin Bench and all your arms, you know, you lost um uh, whatever. Let's just move on. I can't remember that a name for nothing. Uh, anyways, you lose your your Friday night guy, you lose the heart of your lineup. It all, all that matters is what you can replace them with and what we replaced them with this year. So Peyton Chatagnier started the year. He is through four games, batting 583 with with two home runs and five RBIs. Kemp Alderman batting 467 with two, uh, two home runs, eight RBIs. TJ McCants, who struggled mightily last year after an incredible rookie season, batting 417 with a home run and then look at your newcomers the guys that are taking those guys jobs i'm talking about ethan groff a transfer who's playing center field for us he is batting 385 with a home run six rbis your replacement for tim elko first baseman anthony calarco who came over from tcu as a graduate transfer batting 375 uh no home runs two rbis um but he is exit velocity has been incredible. And then Ethan Ledge, who's playing third base, is batting three oh eight and 
just a solid bat. And then you get to yesterday and what I've been waiting on. You get big defensive tackle, number 90, Taiwan Malone, <laughs> taking 85-mile-an-hour fastball high and inside and drove it 431 feet to dead center field. <laughs> just a thing of beauty. And then um, just to hit on the pitching, you know, your true freshman that I told you to look at, you know, I said, if you could give me the stats of our Saturday night guy, because I like Hunter Elliott on Friday, if you give me the Saturday night guy, uh, in his first game, uh, he pitched, let's see, he had four innings pitched with a zero ERA, uh, four, uh, five strikeouts, four walks. So it wasn't shut out by any means, but he was showed that he was able to get out of trouble when he got into it. They pulled him early. It was a non-competitive game. And so while you have a lot of question marks going into it, the question marks, the holes you had to fill look like they are at least going to – against Delaware, they did what they are supposed to do against a bad team. So you can always grade it on a curve. You know, you can always say, I don't know what they'll look like when they play LSU. Well, neither do I. But when they played a bad team, they played incredibly. And that's especially, all we got to go for right now. Especially LSU, who's scoring touchdowns every game. I mean, they're just they're ripping the cover off of baseball, but – yeah, I, I was impressed by Ole Miss. I thought y'all started your title defense off very well. Um, a ton of offense, great hitting. I mean, Ole, Ole Miss is for real. I think y'all are going to be one of the top teams in the West. I think that, again, we're four games into the season. A lot can happen. You never know who's going to stay healthy and who ain't. But so far on four games, you very much look the part of a top two or three team in the West. And we've been here before. You know, We started off last year going into the SEC play as the number one team in the country. Mm-hmm. and uh, it fell it off precipitously <laughs> before yeah. just barely getting into the tournament. Yeah. So I do not – I've never been the fan that is going to – I mean, I get excited, but I will not put anything in stone ever. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, Especially the not first – Yeah, the first kick in the pants came last night when it sounds like our Friday night guy that I was really banking on is having some forearm tightness in his throwing arm and – They've taken an MRI. They don't think there's a tear, but they're getting a second opinion. But it sounds like at minimum he's going to be resting mm-hmm. for a little while. And mm-hmm. so that does make me nervous. Uh, but you're going to throw in on Friday night this week to replace him is going to be Jack Doherty, who threw five innings of perfect baseball in game one of the College World Series championship series. So. Yeah. You know, forearm tightness is never a good thing. That usually ends to some elbow issues, but hopefully, uh, you know, I, I want y'all was, to, yeah, I want y'all to be no pop or, you know, yeah. you know, that's when there's no yeah. numbness. There was no pop. Mm-hmm. And so they're hoping, yeah. you know, maybe it's on the front end and with some rest and rehab yeah. that it can, you can, you can pitch this year. But. Right. And like, I want y'all to be healthy. I want y'all to be healthy through SEC play so we can really see who the best team in the West is. So I, I hope that's all it is. I hope it's just some elbow tightness and a, not a big deal. Yeah, I don't wish I don't wish injuries on anybody, even Mississippi no. State. Exactly. So. so I hope you know speedy recovery. I hope he gets better. I hope you suck fully healthy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <sighs> all right. So the boys from speaking, Star. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of teams scoring touchdowns in baseball. So let's here's the talk thing. about what happened. I was not wrong. I said that we're going to have no problem scoring runs, but that pitching was going to be the issue. And did I nail it? So Friday night, we beat the brakes off the Virginia Military Institute 
just 11 to two, just beat the snot out of them. But Drew, we're a military college. We have the drill field. We have all these connections to the military. So we did our patriotic duty and you gave also up. had students leave to join ISIS. So no, <laughs> I guess you didn't specify what military you support. <laughs> so go ahead. I, apologize. I mean, there's bad apples in every bunch, man. I mean, like we could talk about racism and Ole Miss for a long time, but we're going to move on. <laughs> and so <clears throat> we did our civic, we did our, our patriotic duty and we gave up one to the military Academy Saturday night. Uh, we gave up five hits, drew six hits. We gave up six hits and lost 14 to 12. Like, and uh, 14 to 13. Yeah, sorry, 14 13. Uh, we lost all one run, but we gave up only six hits. Hey, you know, yeah, when you're, you know, what I've always said, you never can take your foot off the gas on a 10 to 1 lead against a military institution. <laughs> I've always said that. Sure. You know, I've, and that's I've what said happened. it for years. You, a 10 run or 10 to 1 lead is the most dangerous lead in all of baseball especially on a team that only won 16 games last year but when you walk 14 batters you're going to lose every single time you walk 14 against lsu they're putting up 30 on you uh, oh but yeah. anyway anyway that's why so, they put in the new run rule it's <laughs> for right. when you walk 14 against lsu some some positives from this weekend um amani larry uh transferred was, from new, or- new orleans he didn't get out until sunday so friday and saturday he didn't get out uh, until Sunday, he hit a home run on Sunday too, 450 feet. The only thing that was bettered by was Dakota Jordan hit a, a double off the wall with an exit velocity of 116 miles an hour, and then follow that up today against ULM, uh, University of Louisiana Monroe, with a 471 foot home run. Ooh. He hit it from home plate to 82 to Highway 82, like a 470 foot bomb. Um, Amani Larry is the real deal. He made a, a phenomenal diving catch on Sunday up the middle that saved two runs. Guy is a player. Nate Doan looks the part of a dominant SEC closer. Guy came in and was hitting 96, 98, pitching really well. We're going to have to get some better uh, outings from our starters. Saturday was a just a disaster with Casey Hunt. Just did not pitch well. The pitching woes were there, like I talked about. On Sunday, it came back. Landon Gartman had a better day on Sunday. I think he struck out seven, had a, had a good outing. Uh, one funny note, Bradley Lofton over the weekend had three runners get on base, and he picked off all three at first base. Every single one of them that got on base, he picked off at first. How did uh, how did John do keeping runners on the base on Saturday? I don't remember. <laughs> how about yeah, that? so uh, you oh. you skimmed over that fact, and I was I, I, I will bring it up because I was, and I told you I was going to ask you this yesterday. Uh, we talked about the new timing rules mm-hmm. in college baseball last week about how many times you're only allowed to pick over uh, X amount of times, right. or pick yeah, throw over to first base or the second base, whatever. You're only allowed to do that so many times per at bat. And you've got a pitch count that you got to worry about getting it to the plate at a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. And I was opining that it could really hurt when it comes to keeping base runners on because you can only and pick off one time. It did. So I wanted I didn't watch that game, so I wanted it you did. to see to get your opinion on it. Was did you feel like pitchers were being rushed, or did you feel like they picked over early and were the runners were able to get a big lead later in the count? Like, what was the deal? I think it's a combination of things. I think the pitch count definitely hurt. We had a lot of freshmen. We had a lot of 
first time SEC starters, people that have transferred in from Ball State, from VCU, transferred in from Texas. We had a lot of guys that have not played SEC baseball that were nervous on the, on the stage. And not that- only nervous playing SEC baseball, but you don't play in front of a crowd like you see in Starkville or in Oxford or in Fayetteville or Baton Rouge at any other Anywhere else. place. No. You don't see that in minor league parts. No. And so you're cranking it up a level in competition, and you've got that extra pressure. And here's the thing. I think we both can agree, like, most years, like, Mississippi has a strong footprint on college baseball, whether it's Southern Miss, it's Ole Miss, it's Mississippi State. Baseball, college baseball in Mississippi is different. It is. And it so, is. And so, yes, I think a combination of that, the pitch count, and listen, man, I love Luke Hancock. He's been playing baseball at Mississippi State since I was in high school. Like, he's been there forever. He's the first to wear the C on his jersey in a number of years. I mean, you know, Tanner Allen didn't have a, a C on his jersey. Rowdy Jordan didn't have a C. Luke Hancock is our captain, and it's a big deal to get that. He ain't a catcher. Like, he's fine behind the plate. He threw one guy out on Friday, and everybody got all hyped. And then Saturday, he couldn't get anybody out. Ross Highfall is the future at catching for us. He's a freshman. Uh, he's going to get some bumps. There's going to be some bruises. But he's got potential to be a, a really good SEC catcher. Luke's position is first base, man. We need to get him at first base and get this figured out. But it falls on pitching. The pitch count, I, the pitch clock, I definitely think rushed us a little bit. I don't know that we were ready for – SEC baseball, like I said, and I think they were 11 for 11 on stolen bases on Saturday, and that ain't going to cut it when it comes to conference play. Not you one. You can't bit. do anything. I don't care how good you are at anything and do it successfully 11 straight times. You know, yeah. you and, and, yeah. even the best free throw shooters in the history of the world make yeah. nine out of ten. You right. know. And so, and so to go 11 for 11, there's something yeah. going on there. Yeah. And so I think Scott Foxhall needs to go. I appreciate what he did, but like he had like, Yo, you're already, I, you're already wanting skins as a pitching coach, because this was an issue last year. And so like our pitching was terrible last year. It has not gotten any better. Um, there could be some, you know, said there's some things can be said about our fielding. We had 10 errors over the last like six games last year, or no, excuse me. We had, Six errors in the last weekend last year. We've got 10 in the first weekend this year. So there's some defensive stuff going on. Lane Forsythe normally a solid. Shortstop made four errors. Slate Alford cannot catch a cold at third base. But it all goes back to pitching. And Foxhall, like I think I could have coached Will Bednar in 2021 and had a decent year. He's just that kind of a talent. Right. Foxhall just like, unless well, there's some drastic changes and improvements, I don't know that Foxhall makes it to conference play. That tandem of Bednar and Landon Sims – my God. I, you're right. I could have done it. You know. Yeah. And so I think Foxhall has got to show some improvement between now and that opening SEC series or his job is is gone. If if Chris Lamonis wants to keep his and I, I see on Mississippi State Twitter, it's a it's a dangerous place. Right. People are calling for Chris Lamonis's job and I'm not there yet. Like he inherited some talent when he got here. Sure. But he coached him up to win a title. And I think he's got the talent to do it. We just need some help in pitching, man. Our pitching is a, is abysmal right now. You don't – nobody has wins a college world series and gets fired two years later. It's not going to happen. It's not. And and the people who are calling for it, you're crazy. Like, yeah, all that's the Twitter, spoiled. It, it's yeah. not too late to delete this, bro. Like, you can delete that tweet, right? Um, but kind of my overall sense, I'm not panicking. There's a lot of baseball left. We're playing baseball in February. It's 40 degrees in Starkville. Things happen. Pitching's going to take some time. I've I seen saw some positives that happened. Again, Bradley Lofton had a good weekend. Nathan Gartman had a good Saturday, or excuse me, good Sunday. 
Um, Nate Doan looked the part of an SEC closer. The Ball State transfer, again, was hitting 98 consistently with his fastball. Gerangelo pitched today. He's the one who can pitch yeah. right or left, and that's kind of cool to see. He pitched very well today. Got a big win today over ULM. We're three and two through five. Big games. win over ULM. Listen, I, I tweeted out last night, like, we're losing to a Louisiana directional team in a Walmart baseball uniform. They look like the Hoosiers with that mustard yellow shirt and gray pants last yeah, night. It's a bad look. Um, but it's early. It's February. I'm not hitting the panic button yet. No, and you can't. I mean, listen, as an Ole Miss fan, it was always made me so mad because the best Ole Miss teams of all time never made it to Omaha, and the worst Mississippi State teams of all time would make a run. Like, that team <laughs> – that team that lost to UCLA in, what was that, 09, 11, yeah. something like that? 11. But, yeah, that team was trash. Listen, my junior year at Starville, we went to the we went to the College World Series. Our best hitter was Wes Ray. We were terrible. But we beat yeah. Clemson, went to Omaha, and we went 0-2. But, like, we had no business there. <laughs> I was always, as an Ole Miss fan, it was always very frustrating to see who you guys were always paired up with in the Supers. <laughs> so we always ended up with Texas or Arizona State that had Dustin Pedroia. And like, if you look at that roster, it's like oh, man. MLB Hall of Famers all yeah, over yeah. it. Yeah. And we we went up against uh, uh, Miami. Who I mean, go look at that, the Upton brothers. I mean, it was incredible yeah. who we would always get. And Bianco always got the blame because he was like one in seven in Super Regionals. But if you looked, I mean, my God, you had <laughs> Texas and Arizona State and Miami, and you didn't – Virginia – like, you didn't lose any of them that you were favored in. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, you know, no joke. I mean, you're, you're not wrong. We've had some good draws. And then we beat a Florida State team with Buster Posey. We've beaten Florida State when they were really good. Tanner, uh, Tanner, uh, Elijah McNamee hit a home run that still hadn't landed down there. In, in, Listen, in I'll never get out of that game. That, that game was, uh, what's his Incredible. name? What's, what's the old coach at Florida State? Uh, the guy oh, that was yeah. there for 95 years. Oh, yeah, he retired after we beat him. I'll think of it here. Yeah, in a as he should have. Yeah. He should have just buried himself after that. That, was, Elijah, that that home run by Elijah McNamee was every bit of 460 feet. Yeah. You know what happened? You know why he hit it? Because he it's, left. He had a four-hour weather delay, and exactly. you the same pitcher out there with 90 pitches. And, of course, Elijah McNamee hit it seven. He was throwing batting practice, practice out there. Right, Beggars can't be choosing. i got to find his name because that dude made yeah. me so mad. Yeah. Uh, I'll take it, man. I'll I want to say I, it's an old guy. So I'm like, it's Mike, right? You know? Yeah, it's probably Mike or Jeff or uh, I just keep thinking Augie Guerrero, but he was in Texas. Yeah. You were talking about exit velocity a minute ago while I'm looking this up here. Um, yeah, we had a, like Dakota Jordan hit a hit a double off the center field wall with an exit velocity of 116 miles an hour. For those of you keeping up with that at home, like that's impressive. That ball got to the center field wall in a hurry. And, you know, the argument can be argument can be made that we're using aluminum bats that, you know, that gives you extra pop. But like that was an absolute seed that he hit. And Dakota Jordan's going to play some minutes this fall on the football team. My man's got some power, just like your right. boy, uh, the defensive lineman at Ole Miss. Another player that I highlighted last week is who I was looking at for Ole Miss. You brought up exit velocity, and we got off topic, so I brought it back up so that I could throw this in your face. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, Kemp Alderman, mm -hmm. the cornbread fed dude from South Mississippi, mm -hmm. uh, who I saw walking around Omaha with the biggest chaw in, your, in his mouth you've ever seen. Gnawing on it. <laughs> uh, so, from three days ago, so that would have been Sunday's game. Mm -hmm. 
this was his exit velocities. He had five mm-hmm. over 105 miles an hour. Jeez. Two, he had, they went 116, 116, 112, 110, 105. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. That's some power, ladies and gentlemen. If you don't know much about college baseball or hitting a baseball at all, that is some power. And this is from yesterday. Uh, top exit velocities from yesterday's game against Arkansas State. Kemp Alderman, 110. Kemp Alderman, 108. <laughs> TJ McCants, 107. Taiwan Malone, my defensive lineman, mm-hmm. 107. Ethan Groff, the transfer uh, center fielder, 106. So he had all five from uh, Friday's game, and he mm-hmm. had the top two in yesterday's yeah. game. The dude just hits. He's the kind of guy that if you if he got any launch angle on it at all, I mean, you're talking about balls landing in Sardis. Yeah, and yeah, and so I mean, I think we can agree that offense is not going to be an issue for the teams in Mississippi. I'll wrap up. You talk about Mississippi State with just a couple last minute thoughts, and then we'll get into some SEC predictions real quick. But I, again, I think we're going to be fine. I talked about Colton Ledbetter. Um, he had a day in game two. So again, it's the game we lost, but in the first inning, Drew, he had five RBIs. He had a three run double and a two run home run in the first inning against VMI. Again, it was for moot because we lost, but the guy can rake. And so I think Mississippi State's going to be fine. We'll talk about where I think they're going to finish in the SEC in just a second, but I think that we're going to get some of the woes out of the way early. I think a pitching coach change is probably a necessity, but I think we're going to be fine. I still think we're going to make a regional. I don't. I, we're not going to host one. We're not going to be good enough to actually be a contender for Omaha this year. Sorry, Mississippi State fans. I love my dogs baseball, but we've got some time. We're gonna we're gonna turn this thing around for ladies and gentlemen listening at home, but it's just going to take some time. So I think Mississippi State's going to be fine. It's just going to take a few weeks to work the bugs out. We've got a lot of new faces from the transfer portal. We're playing a lot of freshmen. Pump the brakes. But speaking of, Drew, we talked about it this week. We're going to give our SEC baseball predictions real quick right here as we're kind of wrapping, winding down. Um, Drew, I've, I've got what I think it's going to the SEC East is going to look like. Uh, have you got yours pulled up? You ready to go? No. All right, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to run down with mine, and you can disagree. We can talk about what we think, all right? Okay. So I East, still think I have a I still have a hard time just being like putting it on putting in pen. You know what I'm saying? Like sure. I haven't seen much, but sure. you know if I wanted to say that Tennessee sucks based on their one and two opening weekend, you could I can, but I just don't think I no. trust anything at this point. So what I'm doing, I like to do this every year. I like to pen, like pencil in who I think how it's going to finish and see how close I was because there's always going to be that one team. You know Tennessee more or less came out of the woodwork last year. Uh, to be one of the best teams in the SEC. I think they were projected like second or third in the East, and they ended up being a dominant. They went 27-1 and one over the course of, of a section of the season. So they're really a really good baseball team. Um, so there's always going to be that one team, and I've got my predictions on who I think that'll be this year. Uh, but we're going to start in the East since that doesn't involve either of our teams. Uh, we're going to start from the bottom and work our way up. I don't have much of an opinion on them other than they're not super talented, never really great. I think the seventh team, I think Missouri finishes last in the SEC East. They're just not good. I, I, I don't. They had a good opening weekend. I just don't know that they have the talent to be a top five team in the SEC East. You know, they had a good opening weekend against really good teams. Sure. So early. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I know I we don't overreact. I get that, but shoot. That's that's not anything to sh- 
That's no, not the shake your stick at there. But. I mean, I get it. They beat Oklahoma State. They're two and one right now. Like they're 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 a decent baseball team, but I think there are much better teams in the East. They beat they lost to Oklahoma State. Excuse me. They beat Texas. They beat TCU's. Um, you know, we'll find out more when it comes to conference play because they open conference play with three games against Tennessee. So we'll know come March 17th. Like, we'll yeah, and you know, know what? If they lose all three of those games, I'm not going to assume they're the worst team in the East. I don't I I don't I, I think Georgia's better. I got Georgia at six. I think Georgia's a better team. They're gonna hit the ball a lot, but they don't have a great pitching rotation, much like Mississippi State. Um, I think a sneaky team this year, I've got them fifth in the SEC East is Kentucky. They had a they lost to Elon in the opening game and then uh they lost two to nothing. They ended up finishing out the weekend. They are three and one. They got that one loss behind them early. Uh they they ended up beating Elon the other two games pretty handily, and then they beat Evansville last night. Again, it's early. I think Kentucky's the fifth seed in the East. Um, right above them, and this might be a little hot take a little bit, I think Vanderbilt is going to be the fourth team in the SEC East. I don't know that they have the dogs that they normally have. Based on their opening weekend? or And what they lost last year. They lost a ton of talent last year, and they didn't quite have the recruiting transfer class that they normally do. Vanderbilt, they still have a fella named Shrek. I don't, yeah, I get that. So. And that helps, but I don't know that this is the <laughs> Vanderbilt of old. Like, I don't think this is the same Vandy team that we're used to them having with, a, like, Kumar Rockner and what's-his-name ain't walking from last year, Jack. Uh, Lighter. Lighter ain't walking through that door. Uh, I think they're they're going to miss some in pitching, and we all know, if you've listened to this podcast for more than 10 minutes, college baseball is all about pitching. Yeah, they've got guys. They, they're going to be just fine. I, again, I think they're the fourth seed in the East. Um my pick for the three seed, I think I think South Carolina has really retooled, and they've got some players, man. They've come a long way. They're a hot pick to be one of the top two seeds. I don't think they're quite that good, but I think they're one of the top three teams in the East uh, come tournament time in Hoover. They had a great weekend. They had 14 doubles this weekend. They, they're hitting the ball well. I, I think they're going to score a ton of runs. They've got some pitchers. I think South Carolina's going to be pretty good. Um, the number two seed is the Tennessee Volunteers. I think I'm not going to scoff too much at their opening weekend. They played some good, talented baseball teams. Grand Canyon is not an awful mid-major team um, that they lost to. And so I think they lost to Arizona in the opening game and then Grand Canyon on Saturday. They have since righted the ship and scored a ton of runs. And so it's the Tennessee of old. I think they're going to be good. They've got some pitchers that are going to be really, really good. They won today. Uh, they beat uh, Arkansas uh, AMU. I think it's the A&M, Arkansas A&M today. So not a great talented team. Big but, win. Um, yeah, big win. Uh, 23, or Alabama A&M, they beat them 23 to 1. That's what I was trying to get at. 23 to 1. So they're going to score runs by the bunch. So they'll be fine. And the number one seed, I think, is Florida. Florida is going to be very, very good this year. They're back to the Florida, the early 2000s, we're going to just beat the brakes off of teams and uh, watch out. If you got Florida on your schedule this year, your SEC schedule, they're going to be tough. They're going to be a tough team. Any thoughts yeah. on the East? I just think that you – I think that you have uh, either placed way too much emphasis on what happened in the first week or paid no attention at all to what happened in the first week. <laughs> I'm going to go with the latter. This is more on what they – and also this is kind of looking at their schedules a little bit too. I did a little research on this. This isn't just grasping straws. Yeah, because uh, Missouri got a win over TCU who mm-hmm. beat Vanderbilt like a drum. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, beat Arkansas like a drum. Mm-hmm. And 
and got a victory over Oklahoma State, who is perennially in the college, I mean, not college world series, but in the super regionals. Sure. So you discounted them. We're going to keep them sixth, but then discount and then drop Vandy down for what seemingly is one loss against nobody. And which is fine. Mm -hmm. Vandy loses a lot, but if there's one thing you know about Vandy is that of all the teams in the sec and in college baseball, Mm -hmm. they have the most scholarships. Yeah. And they, I don't care. It's the most frustrating thing in the world that you think that you've got them in a bad spot in Hoover because they played three games and you're not facing their ace. But what are they going to do every single year? Is they're going to throw out some 17-year-old freckle-faced <laughs> freshman that's mm-hmm. 6'5", throwing 99, and he that's the guy that you know is going to be the guy next year. Yeah, it, and, uh, it doesn't matter with Vandy. No, and no. I know they, they were down last year by Vandy standards. But don't think that that's going to be because of lack of players. That's just going to be the ebbs and flow of baseball. You know, it caught up to them. It did. Never should they ever be picked fourth in the East. I mean, that's just a respect issue. And I hate Vanderbilt. I hate Vanderbilt. But to say South Carolina is going to finish ahead of them based on, I don't know what. I mean, maybe it's because that's where you live, but. To be fair, I made this list on Friday of last week when the opening games were going on. So before the whole weekend played out, I was looking at some schedules. Florida's got a lot of their tough games at home. South Carolina only plays at Vanderbilt. They've got Tennessee at home. They've got Auburn at home, Florida at home. They've got a lot of games that are at home that are going to be more winnable, I think. Vandy's got a little bit Oh, I have no problem with you saying Florida's going to win the East. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I just think – Based solely upon week one, and maybe that's something I'll do starting going forward. That you can, you'll do your standings. Uh, each week, I'm just going to rank them as I've seen so far. Sure, sure. You know, that's that's, that's how I want. That's how I want to look at it because I don't follow mm-hmm. roster moves in college baseball. I think it's impossible. I think it's getting close to impossible in all sports, especially sure. if you're looking at it at a league-wide thing. If you want to follow your team. If this is going to be an Ole Miss podcast, then I can follow my team and tell you about all the roster moves because there's going to be thousands, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but as what I have seen is one, I mean, Mississippi State's obviously the worst team in the West. They lost to Virginia military, and and Missouri is first in the East. <laughs> <laughs> so clearly it's an unbiased opinion yeah. there. So, I mean, no, I'm just saying, based on what I've seen so far, mm-hmm. Missouri's not going to finish sixth or seventh in the East. I mean, you don't beat two teams like that. But also, it doesn't matter. I mean, we're in week one. Like, right. You know, I'm not going to get the cart in front of the horse either. But and that's why I still picked them last. I picked these before the game started. I'm sticking by it. This okay. is my list. You know, and – I applaud you if you are if this is your preseason take and you're standing by it then that's then where I'm, I'll applaud you for you turning around after you see that they have after you see that they have two really good wins. We'll see. So that's my East. I think Florida's going to win the East. I think that's a bygone conclusion. That's not a hot take. Yeah, and as for the West, mm-hmm. um, I don't know what you do West either because, um. The West is always a log jam. It is. And I the, think the best team in the West can sometimes be 17 and 13. Right. You know yeah, but they beat up on the East. They beat up on non-conference. So I think the worst team this year, strictly 
because their schedule's not going to be very favorable. Um, I think they're getting better, but like you said, they're in the SEC West, and the SEC West is a gauntlet, and I think Alabama's going to finish last in the SEC West. They play all of their tough games. They play Vanderbilt home, but they play at A&M. They play at LSU. They play at Arkansas. They play at Florida. That is a murderer's row of an SEC baseball schedule. They get Kentucky at home. They get State at home, Auburn at home, and they do get Bandy at home, but I just don't know that Alabama, with that schedule, that conference schedule, is going to win a ton of games in the SEC. Uh, I think Alabama finishes seventh in the SEC West. Well, and um, we need to go back and look at it. How many teams on average out of the West make it into the tournament? Mm -hmm. And I would venture to say that there have been years that five or six teams make it. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, I still think they can make a uh, make a regional. Absolutely. Yeah, I just don't. You know, they're the team of all the teams in the West. They've yet to do it. You know what I'm saying? And sure. so when I'm undecided, I'm just always going to go with the team that hasn't done it yet. I mean, Auburn was in the College World Series last year. Ole Miss was. Texas A&M was. Arkansas was. LSU was two years ago. Mississippi State won the whole dang thing two years ago. So there's only one team that hasn't been there. You know what I'm saying? And that's why I'm picking them last until they right. prove me different. Exactly. So Alabama 7th. I, it honestly was a coin flip. Maybe a little bit of bias went into this. I think um, I, I just don't buy the Auburn train. Like, I don't know that they're going to be as good as they were last year. They play at Arkansas. They play at Florida. They play at Alabama, at South Carolina. They play at Ole Miss. It's a tough, tough schedule for Auburn again this year. They're open with some tough conference, a uh, non-conference. They played Indiana, who's a good baseball team, went 2-1 and one up there. Um, but they were supposed to play at USC, but there's been there were some scheduling conflicts. The USC is now coming to the Plains this weekend. I just don't know that Auburn's going to do it. I don't think they have the talent. So I've got Auburn six in the West. And I'll tell you, Auburn did make the College World Series last year. And, and they were on, senior heavy. And I will say, uh, this is going to justify your point here. I watched, obviously, Ole Miss played every team except for Stanford in there. On our half of the bracket, mm-hmm. which, and they were by far the worst team on our half of the bracket, mm-hmm. and that has they did not have, and they had dealt with some injuries late in the season. Um, they still made it to Omaha, but especially on the pitches, uh, yeah. they had an ace uh, who didn't, who came back for the College World Series, but he just didn't have it all together. Mm-hmm. But they just were not impressive as a whole unit for a baseball team. And then they lost Sonny DeShera, yeah. who was the SEC Player of the Year graduate transfer right. from Sanford. We talked about him last week. Uh, and so Butch Johns, Bush, Butch Thompson, forgive me, I'm slurring my words here. Butch Thompson is one of the in the top one fourth of the SEC when it comes to coaching ability. So I never count him out. I love Butch Thompson. I know he's a former Mississippi State assistant. I don't care. I think he's an incredible college yeah. baseball coach. So I'm not yeah. going to count him out, uh, unlike Alabama, who uh, Bohannon, I believe was his name, Brad mm-hmm. Bohannon. He just hadn't proven it yet. So uh, if you tell me the state of Alabama is going to be at the bottom of the SEC West, I don't disagree with it. Yeah, and Bohannon, to his defense, is making Alabama better, but like the rest of the SEC West is pretty doggone good. <laughs> yeah, if you're only going to get incrementally better – 
every year yeah. in the SEC West. It's going to take you a long time to catch <laughs> up. You've really got to have a season where you just yeah. blow everybody out of the water. You know, you've yeah, got to you've got to take that Tennessee like jump. Right. Now that's extreme, but you've yeah. got to take the you can't just get inch by inch to catch up. You've right. got to really make your appearance known, your presence known at one point or another. Right, because I don't know if we've mentioned it on this podcast or not, but the last two national champions came from the SEC West, so I'm sure it'll get brought up at some point. Yeah, and Arkansas always tends to choke when it matters most in the College World Series, so you know they're always there. You know, Hold that thought. We're going to get to that in a minute. So the fourth best team in the SEC West, they're a really trendy pick right now, and I don't get it. So listen to this. This is their schedule, right, their conference schedule. They open at home against LSU. They play at Tennessee, home for Ole Miss, at Auburn, home for Missouri, at Kentucky, at Arkansas, home for Florida, Alabama, and then Shoot. at Mississippi State. Like, that's brutal, right? The fourth the fourth place team in the SEC West, I think, are the fighting Texas A&M Aggies. I just like everybody oh. picking them as like a trendy, oh, this is going to be one of the best teams in the West. I don't know. They lost to Lamar last night. I ain't buying Texas A&M. They were a good team. They were an Omaha team. They were one of the final four teams in college baseball last year. Mm-hmm. I think there's going to be a hangover, and I'm not sold. They've got some non-conference. They play at Louisville. They play at Texas Tech. And then don't sleep on this one. They have Incarnate Word, which is one of the best NAIA baseball teams out there. They're a, they're a really good baseball program. Yeah, they're uh, still They still should polarize them i'm just saying that's a non-conference naia game they can lose i don't think a&m's one of the top two or three teams in the west i think they're going to be the fourth best team in the west listen my stance on sec west standings is somebody's got to finish fourth yeah you know uh sure texas a&m is as good an option as any Mm -hmm. they kind of have the same identity as their football team has where they tend to be really good and really hyped up in the regular season. We mm-hmm. just kind of fizzle out when it matters most. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to pretend to know what their rotation looks like or what their batting order looks like right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but fourth place, I mean, you're just you're picking straws when you get to the top of the West. Right. Uh, if you look at a lineup, we're getting to the point now to where if you told me that if you just looked at a lineup and your four remain four remain Arkansas, LSU, and Texas. And if you told me that either of those teams by looking at a lineup was better than Ole Miss, I couldn't argue with you. Mm -hmm. It could go either way at this point. And so I know that makes for bad pod in a a day and age to where you've got to have a hot take. My hot take is that at the end of this regular season, they're going to be so beat up that mm-hmm. seeding is going to be weird and not yeah. necessarily indicative of how good the team is. I think there's going to be three SEC teams hosting a super regional. I, I mean, I think there might be more, but I think there's going to be three teams from the SEC West hosting a super regional. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think the third place team I've got right now in my bracket, and it's simply because Arkansas is just really good in the regular season. They fizzle out in postseason, whether that's at Omaha or in a super regional. I got Ole Miss third. Your 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 schedule's favorable. you you play at Vandy and at AM, but you get Florida and Arkansas at home. You play at state, whatever, you get LSU and Georgia at home. Like your toughest road comp road series is at Alabama. It's a very favorable schedule. 
I think Ole Miss is going to be one of the top three teams and probably a top 15 or top 12 seed nationally at the end of the year. But I think because Arkansas is a better regular season team, that's why that's the only reason I pick Ole Miss third. And like you said, I think second and third, right? And this year, second and third is splitting hairs. There's an obvious first team in the SEC West, but second and third is splitting hairs. Arkansas, I think, is better by maybe a game, game and a half. Well, let me tell you why I'm okay with you projecting Arkansas ahead of me. Because whereas you said that Ole Miss's SEC slate is favorable. I'm going to disagree with you heavily because what matters is not necessarily home and away, but you've got 10 SEC series. Mm -hmm. You've got six of them against the West. That's every year. So who are you getting out of the East? Mm -hmm. You hope to get somebody like Missouri or Kentucky Mm -hmm. or South Carolina or, you know, Georgia. That's who you want. Ole Miss starts the SEC season in Nashville Mm-hmm. against Vanderbilt. Then they have the num- who is right now the seven number seven team in the country, Florida, coming here. Mm-hmm. And then you go to Texas A&M. And then you have Arkansas at home. That first month of the, seri- the season That's is brutal. a gauntlet. <laughs> That's brutal. <laughs> and then you go to Mississippi State, and regardless of how bad or good Mississippi State is, that's a war every time. And then you've got and LSU at home. To be which fair, is we've, had your, we've had your number lately in baseball, so like right. that's going to be a tough series. Right. And so to start the season, you're going to be looking at middle of the season, and you're hoping that you're at 500 just because yeah. of the quality of opponent you've got. Yeah. And then you end the season with Georgia at home. That's fine. At Missouri. Mm-hmm. and home against Auburn, and then at Alabama. So you end the season easier than you get it, but your East schools being Missouri, Georgia, Vandy, and Kentucky, and I mean, you dodge Tennessee, but you get the rest of them. Florida, not Kentucky. I'm sorry, Florida, not Kentucky. Mm-hmm. So you look, you dodge you dodge Tennessee, but you get the rest of them. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean – Arkansas is not a whole lot better. I mean, they get Vandy, they get South Carolina, who, I again, I think is going to be a very good baseball team this year. Georgia and Tennessee, they dodge Florida. They won't play them until Hoover. But we both know, right, like Arkansas is a very good regular season baseball team. They beat Texas 3-2. to two. They beat uh, they lost to TCU 18-6. to six. Turn around and, like you said, a perennial super regional Oklahoma State Cowboys team, they beat them 18 to 1. Just beat the brakes off of them. I think Arkansas, they've got the pitching this year. They're going to be very good on the mound. I think Arkansas always has a very good regular season. They're just, they just fizzle out in the postseason. That's why I have Arkansas too, because I think they'll have a great regular season. And then, Drew, I think you're living under a rock or you're in denial if you don't have LSU not only winning the West, but very likely winning the SEC uh, regular season outright. Um, No, I don't think I'm going to be living under a rock. I do pick them, mm-hmm. but just like I said, I pick them to win the West. I mean, I think that on paper they look like the best team. Uh, however, if you tell me – if you're guaranteeing an outright SEC regular season title – I think that is kind of bold because the SEC West is going to beat up on themselves. Sure. And and 18 and 12 LSU team may not win the – or you just say best-case scenarios, 18 and 12 in the SEC. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to tell me that one of those East teams can't get to 20 and 10 like Tennessee did last year? I mean, Tennessee was, what, 28 and 2 in the SEC, 25 yeah. and 5, something like that? I hear you, but LSU on paper is super talented. I don't know if you saw, but Trey Morgan, that first baseman with the blonde tips, 
hit the yeah. cycle in order on the weekend, like a single, double, triple home run. Braxton, what's up, buddy? Uh, one of our, our two bucks faithful listeners there, Mr. Braxton. What's up, buddy? Talking about some SEC baseball. Um, uh, but those of you listening at home, we got Mr. Braxton on the podcast there. But anyway, um, we've got uh, some great opportunities for some good baseball. I think LSU is going to beat a lot of teams. I think they'll be really, really good. I think they score a ton of runs. They've got a, I mean, just a mountain of talent, both offensively, pitching. LSU is going to be tough, man. And I, I, if I, if like feet to the fire, had to pick an SEC champ today, I would pick LSU. But you're right. I don't know that Florida couldn't do it. I don't know that. Like in you know South Carolina, yeah, maybe the if, team this year that gets hot. You never know. I just think right now, if I had to pick one, it would it would the easy picks LSU. That's the low yeah, hanging fruit. Yeah, if, yeah, I, had if I had to pick a team that was going to um, have the best shot in Omaha or have the best chance of winning it all, I just the regular season record is what mm-hmm. bogs me down in saying that they're going to win the SEC because I know how tough yeah. the West is. And not, if, if you told me that the the number one seed coming out of the west going into the sec tournament was 17 and 13 mm-hmm. like that's not a long shot but like sure. that's that's not out of the realm of possibility yeah uh and so yes i would pick lsu uh however if we're talking regular season give me whoever wins between tennessee and florida probably because i just think that they're going to be able to stack up numbers in the left side of the sure. column you know what i'm saying sure. I mean, you're right. Get those SEC wins against Missouri and Kentucky and, you know, Georgia, the teams that aren't as good. Mm -hmm. I I don't disagree. I I think they can rack up some wins a little bit easier. Like you said, in the West, in order to win the West, you're going to have to win series against Arkansas, an Omaha team last year, Ole Miss, the defending national champs, A&M, an Omaha team last year, like Mississippi State, who's always tough at home. That's a gauntlet to run through. I, I don't disagree in that. I just think LSU, between their transfers and their incoming freshmen, they've got the horses to make it happen. If anybody can do it, it's them. But, you again, as we addressed last week on the podcast, you don't want to be the number one overall seed going into the NCAA tournament because the last one to win it outright was Miami in 01. So you want to try and get that second or third seed and not be the number one overall seed come regional time. And as we put a bow on college baseball in the podcast for this week, I don't know if you noticed this, and um, talking about bad luck for Arkansas, which couldn't happen to a better couldn't happen. group of folks. you know. No. They're the ones that tweeted out the participation ring for Omaha. We've already talked about that. <laughs> but this is actually bad luck. Uh, I don't know if you saw this. For the second straight year, their Friday night started the weekend before yep, I did baseball see starts. They, has Tommy John surgery. Jackson Wiggins, who is just an absolute fire thrower, right-handed yeah. pitcher with yep. nasty, nasty off-speed stuff, yep. who was going to be their Friday night guy, had UCL surgery uh, almost one year to the date that um, uh, Peyton Paulette, mm-hmm. the other right-handed dominant Friday night starter, mm-hmm. went down to start their season. Right. So, yeah, again, couldn't happen to a better franchise. Arkansas Twitter is one of the worst places, especially when it comes to SEC baseball. So I don't wish poor health or injuries on anybody, but, you know, sucks to suck, Arkansas. <laughs> yeah, I, I I wish he was healthy, but if one of us hadn't to lose the Friday night starter, uh, I hope it would be you, maybe uh, both of us. Yeah, listen, because we lost Friday and Saturday last year against Tulane in the second weekend of the series, so can relate. <laughs> 
Well, that's what we've got today. Russell, you got anything you want to add to college baseball talk? I know uh, y'all have got a big uh, Power 5 series at home this weekend against uh, Arizona State, correct? Yep. Arizona State's coming to town this weekend. They're good. They're a perennial Omaha super regional team, even in down years. They're always just one of those teams that are so good. So they come to Starville this weekend. And then, like, uh, midweek, you know, this week, midweek is Louisiana Monroe. Our midweek next week is Southern Miss. <laughs> we play Southern yeah, Miss yeah. at home, the 18th ranked team in the country. And Southern Miss is going to be very good this year. They've got some 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 dogs on their pitching staff. So some tough baseball coming up for the for the boys in maroon and white. But uh, I think we'll get it figured out. So, yeah, big series against Arizona State. And, you know, we hadn't looked the part yet, but Hale State anyway. Who y'all got this weekend? Yeah, so uh, we've got a top 15 matchup coming to Oxford. We've got uh, the Maryland Terrapins coming into town Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I will be in attendance on Saturday and Sunday, so I can give you a a review of my experience. And then on the midweek, we've got Louisiana Tech on a two-game series. Uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, we've got Louisiana Tech at home. Uh, Who's feisty? Beat us plenty of times before. What's that? Then you got Maryland again right after that. Yeah, so that's the weird kink to it. Uh, We're going to play Maryland again in Minnesota as a part of the Cambria College Classic. Mm -hmm. Next weekend, we'll play uh, Maryland, Minnesota, and Nebraska next weekend. Yeah, for us, we're in a similar tournament out west. I think we're out in Lubbock or we're out in Dallas, and we play Ohio State, Oklahoma, and Cal. So not top 25 teams, but they're good baseball teams. Is that Uh, the Shriners? Shriners tournament in Dallas, and so it's Ohio State, who is uh, was a top twenty-five team last year. Oklahoma, who was in Omaha, yeah, last year, yeah, and then, we beat them in the in the championship series. That's right, that's right. I'm trying to I try to black that out. Of that. <laughs> you did pretty good. Hey, hold on a second. It may be on this commemorative bottle here. Anyway, we don't listen. It's a family-friendly podcast. We don't show that kind of stuff here. Oh, wait, here, it at is. Cal. here it is. Here's <laughs> the scores. Uh, Ole Miss ten. Mm. Uh, Oklahoma three, and then Ole Miss four, Oklahoma two. Then, hey, question: yeah. Does the does the the school Valparaiso? Does that mean anything to you? No, that was before I was born. Mm. Well, we play them in baseball on March the seventh. But I thought they like Bryce Drew Valparaiso. Listen, are you going? To, are you going to have to go back <laughs> to like the early nineties to get something on me? I like, asked a question. I mean, you could have asked a better one. I mean, you could have brought up Hunter Henry or, you know. <laughs> anything really i mean bryce drew hitting the shot i mean the guy who was defending the inbounds pass is now our athletics director i mean that's how long ago that that you have reached back against this i simply i saw the name on our schedule and thought it might bring up some good memories for you i'm just looking out i have no memories i just (laughs) have to see it every single march when they do the montage of incredible shots and upsets the one year that we're like a five seed valpo hits (laughs) Bryce Drew on this, you know, inbounds play from the other end of the court. And while I was not alive to or not <laughs> around or old enough to see it and be hurt by hurt hurt by it, I have to see it every year as if and everybody's like, Oh my god, there's that play again. I was like, Okay, cool. I don't remember that. I do. So anyway. Thank, <laughs> thankfully you're not gonna show Hunter Henry every single fall. <laughs> but you are, you know. But anyway, that's the Two Bucks Sports Podcast for this week. Drew, what a, what a great show, man. You got any final thoughts on college baseball or the Grizz or or any sports-related topic before we let our listeners get back to their day? Um, I've got a recommendation. Um, get on Netflix and watch the Full Swing Golf documentary. Mm. Um, it 
it was a documentary. It's an eight episodes, about 45 minutes an episode, in which they chronicle the last season of golf. And I'm not a big golf fan. Like, you know, I watch the majors and I keep mm-hmm. up with it, but I'm not an avid golf mm-hmm. fan. But it was fascinating to watch that because it was right in the middle of the split with live and the yep. live live tour comes in yep. and so you get the little bit of uh roar i mean rory mcelroy versus dustin johnson you get the whole drama of it they, the documentary folks said that it was the best season to it was just yeah. by luck of the draw that you got, got that season to yeah. document it It'd be like the Hard Knocks on HBO picking up the Super Bowl winning team. Like it just it, it just worked out. It was great. Uh, so yeah, definitely check that out if you're a sports fan. Even if you don't know much about golf, it might get you into it. So right, check it out. But that's all I've got. I uh, look forward to recording next weekend. I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing what our baseball teams look like going up against talent that's good. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure it'll say a lot more than what was said last week about it. That's it. And again, we'll be rational. We won't be making any uh, national championship or Omaha hotel reservations based on the first two weekends, but you never know. We might. So uh, Uncle Buck, again, listen, give us a like, share, follow on all of our social medias, anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple, YouTube, Spotify, please give us a, a like, a comment, a rating. Uh, again, we're on Instagram and Twitter at the number two buck sports podcast and the two buck sports podcast on Facebook. Uncle Buck, enjoyed it, buddy. Hey, man, I enjoyed it. Uh, We'll talk throughout the weekend. I'm sure everything will be civil. And we will be back next Wednesday to record another episode. Yes, sir. See you then. See you guys.